Go! Welcome to episode 160 of the Zay Coleman Podcast. It's your boy, Mr. ZCP from the A63, a.k.a. Mr. Zay Coleman, a.k.a. Polk County's number one podcaster. How you doing today? Today, we... Favorite time of the year, baby. First week MVPs, first week overreactions, first week reviews, first week, first week, first takes. It's been approximately 364 days since we've done first week, first takes. As I sip the water. Still dealing with a little bit of um, headache slash cold from the weekend. We are doing good, though. I'm feeling a lot better. But God, um, as of 12.01 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the best team in the NBA is the Utah Jazz. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a statement that nobody would have said two weeks ago. That the Utah Jazz... And the San Antonio Spurs would have the two best records in the NBA, both standing currently at 3-1 and one after Utah lost last night to the Houston Rockets. And the San Antonio Spurs, with maybe the upset of the night last night, that, that might be that, or maybe Chicago beating the Celtics by 18. Um, probably with the upset of the night beating the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, says it was a nine-point game. It was not a nine-point game. Promise you, San Antonio stopped caring at the end. Um, it was a. It's been an interesting week of basketball. I will say this: it has been hella interesting. I'm talking every single night, something major is occurring. Whether it's the Los Angeles Lakers losing, you're welcome for that, by the way. <sighs> Houston Rockets and Utah Jazz having a banger last night. You get John Morant having ridiculous performances, which we'll get into later. The rookies have shown that they aren't rookies no more. This has been a, a absolute fun week of basketball. No matter how you slice it, no matter what your cup of tea is, whether it's offense, whether it's defense, whether it's high pace, whether it's slow down, whether it's, you know, casual controversy or you know, the hardcore numbers being backed up by actual facts. But, and again, I know we talked about the first few days on Friday, but since then, John Morant has had two all-time performances. Last night, the Nets and the Grizzlies, their duos both were ridiculous. Um, The Suns, sorry, the Utah Jazz have had uh two absolute stunners. Like, which again is not a statement that I would have read to you two days ago. Um, <laughs> so we'll we'll get into it. We're gonna do our reviews for all thirty NBA teams. So since I have actually had a chance to watch all thirty NBA teams play at least one time this season, um, if I make a misrepresentation about your team, please leave a uh, a comment under the podcast. If you're listening to this on Anchor, if you are listening to this on Spotify, leave a, uh, a review. If you um, and also if you're on Spotify, you can read the description of the podcast where uh, my socials, if you want to hit my socials and if you want to have an argument about your team, by all means, I'm up for it. But trust me, I've pretty much made 
I'm gonna I'm not gonna be bold with every single NBA team. I know it says that in the title of the podcast, but you know we'll we'll start to keep to the side of caution today, just only because of just my a personal and B. I'm I'm not trying to get to a personal beef with you if that's what y'all are asking for. Um, no, I just like I said, personal, professional actually, professional review of every NBA team so far. Um, as you like, as you know, we like to go in the 2K order. Um, don't ask why we do, but we do. Um, so yeah, 76ers will get the first review, but I will start off by giving my, uh, first week awards. I know the first week awards, again, I just want to preference by saying this is my awards for the first week of the season, not who my MVP is going to be at the end of the season after a week. I just want to point this out. Because people misrepresentate misrepresent that to the upteenth degree. People will say that, oh, do, you know, how do you feel about Luka Doncic not being the MVP right now? <laughs> well, guess what? Luka Doncic, I still is going to think is still going to be the MVP of the season. It's just he's not my MVP for the first season or week of the season because, as we mentioned earlier, a certain somebody has had two all-time performances in the first week of the season. So, without further ado, let's get to the first award, which is the MVP. Let's be honest. It has been John Morant. John Morant is averaging, uh, my memory does serve correct, 35 points a game on 54% shooting from the point guard position in 2022. Sips water. That is ridiculous. And again, I know it's a four-game sample, so, you know, let me chill my high horses real quick. But... The Grizzlies are two and one specifically because of John Murray. Because the one, oh, sorry, um, yeah, because of John Murray. But, like, if the Grizzlies, if John Murray isn't having these ridiculous performances, the Grizzlies could very well be 0 3. Let's be honest. Like, they they could easily be 3 and 1 or see 0 and 3 because of, like, if John Murray is not dropping 50 against the Rockets or specific. In that, in this context, I will be specific for nine because he tried his absolute best not to get to fifty. Um, but between that and then the, the thirty-eight he had against the Nets last night, which was still a relatively close game, it was like a ten-point game. Um, but John Morant, and again, the the shot, it's even the threes are going down for John Morant this season, which is not something we could have said a year ago, which means. Improvement, like that's it's rare for somebody to improve after averaging twenty, like what twenty six, um twenty six four and seven last year. Like it, it's hard to improve, but this man has improved, averaging like thirty five on with the most efficient year any point guard has ever had. Like again, first week of the season, get easily. He's obviously gonna, I wouldn't say fall off, but he's he's going to regress. Like that's. That's going to happen. He's probably going to finish with like 28 a game. Like that, that's realistic for John Murray. But, but the fact that, again, the, the, these are relatively, and again, the, the Brooklyn Nets game, like, you know, it's a, two teams that aren't really crazy for their defense. And now that the Grizzlies don't have Jeremy Jackson Jr. And it's kind of been exposed throughout the first uh, week of the season. Because of uh, Santi Aldama, he he's been he's a he's been a good offensive uh, replacement for Jerry Jackson Jr. But defensively, I think that that train has definitely fallen off a little bit. Um, 
But I do. I, we'll get to the Brooklyn Nets later. But um, MVP, uh, John Morant, Rookie of the Year. <sighs> I've been back and forth between two people, and it's neither of them Jaden Ivy, and that kind of upsets me. Number one is Paolo Boncaro, and number well, that's one A, and one B is one Benedict Matherin. Before last night, which you know, have the, our conversations about that. Um, Benedict Matherin was averaging 24 points a game coming off the bench for the Indiana Pacers. And I know coming off the bench for the Indiana Pacers is, is a statement because Chris Duarte is playing like 13 minutes a game. But he still is averaging 24 coming off the bench nonetheless. And I find it interesting, which even then last night he had 17. But, like, it was – it's just uh, – I don't feel uh, – again – Obviously, he's probably going to finish around like 17, 18 a game. I feel like a lot of the and again, Benedict Mather, he's shown like I don't I don't think I've seen this type of development in a rookie in a long time. I I like I'm talking it's simple things. It's like finishing through contact is like something that very rarely you see out of rookie guards. Jaden Ivey has kind of had a somewhat, a somewhat success with it early. But, like, you look at, like, 2021 guards. Kate Cunningham wasn't doing this last year. Early on, Jalen Green wasn't doing this last year. Jalen Green's doing it this year. By, by uh, Obviously, he's doing it this year. But last year, he wasn't doing it. Um, We talked about Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte wasn't doing it. Um, you look at 2020, Tyrese Halliburton wasn't doing it. Killian Hayes wasn't doing it. Um, LaMelo Ball wasn't doing it. Anthony Edwards wasn't even doing it yet because he hadn't built up that strength yet. Benedict Matherin has shown something that very rarely you see out of young guards, especially rookie guards. And that's scary for Indiana because they already have their franchise point guard. Let's be honest, they do. And Tyrese Halliburton, they already have – you know, some solid pieces in the front court. Jalen Smith has had a, a really good start to the season. Zay Jackson, he's been in and out of the starting lineup, so that's rotation. Um, again, we mentioned Chris Duarte. Like, he's been in and out. But, like, they have a solid core of younger guys, young to younger guys that they've used, and it's been really effective. Now, it's it's uh, it's been tough to because uh, of some of the teams that they've played, you know, Philly being like that one of those teams again, Philly's first win of the season, but still a team that we look to uh, potentially contend. Um, Detroit teams has been a team that has been fighting this year, and even with San Antonio, I think is a team that and again they're San Antonio's three and one, so it's like the competition has been self for the Indiana Pacers so far. But I think they've more than held their own, and even the Wizards that they played there is also two and one. Um, but it's um it's been a like it's been a road to it's again it's a rebuild for the Pacers so like obviously this is not going to end in a year or two, but so far they have shown that they really can uh they they've uh they got them a, a, a nice one in Benedict Mather, um six man of the year. I know it's been tough. Like it's it's really uh. Because they're like, uh, again, shoot, why wouldn't you give it to Benedict Mather? The man's average of 20 off the bench. But one person I want to give, and it's specifically for two games. The first two games the Utah Jazz played, Colin Sexton looked amazing off the bench. And again, I know it's not going to last at all. He's absolutely going to be uh, somebody that is going to be in the starting lineup before uh, before it's all said and done. And again, the numbers don't necessarily scream. Um, 
super sick man of the year, which is probably why most people would point to Benjamin Mathner. But Colin Sexton has ran this offense off uh, off the bench to a T. And again, somebody that I did not expect, I fully expected him and Mike Conley to be the starting backcourt in Utah. But he, him being used as a six-man long-term, I think is a good role for him. Again, can get his own shots up, can get to the paint, can make a, a few dimes. He had a, a four or five assists against uh, Minnesota last week. Even um, in the game against uh, God, who they do the Denver. I was like, why can't I remember? But the game against Denver again, it was primarily with the scoring, but he was setting people up too, like Colin Sexton. And again, Colin Sexton is very streaky, but when he's on, he is on. And again, very few uh, guys off the bench can really touch that. And again, so somebody else that's he doesn't come off the bench with them uh, now, but. But for for a few years, that was Jordan Clarkson's game. Yeah, he could facilitate a little bit as and he was a primary scorer. But yeah, he can pass a little bit too. And again, they don't realize it, but because but that's why they're playing guard. That's why they can they're combo guard. They're not just a small shooting guard. They can play make as well. And again, with the Utah Jazz in general, like that's this is a team that again nobody expected to be three and one. And we even was talking about it. Um, me and my boy JT, shout out to Jason. Um. We was talking about it yesterday, and it was like the Utah Jazz. Nobody in their right mind thought the Utah Jazz would start three and zero. Again, they lost last night to Houston. Perfectly acceptable. They neither team is supposed to be good anyway. But uh, we'll get into the Rockets in a little bit. Um, well, not even a little bit. We're gonna be about a half hour, honestly, if we get when we get to the Rockets. But the Utah Jazz and like, and again, I'm, I'm basically just reviewing every uh, this reviewing every team just in this award section. But um, with the Utah Jazz is like Kyle Sexton has been. He's been streaky, but again, he's been somebody that I look to as. I think he can he can be this kind of this consistent and or more consistent in the for the next seventy nine games or seventy eight games now. Um, that's just me thing. Um, next for the defensive player of the year, I think this one's kind of obvious. Rudy Gobert has been a and again last night didn't show it, but in the first few games of the Minnesota Timberwolves played. He was the direct reason the Timberwolves were even remotely in two games. I'm talking the the Utah game is probably the one a lot of people will point to. I will point to the OKC game more. Like yeah, the Utah game he had 23 rebounds, but in the OKC game, 15 and 15, but he was he was primarily a def- he was just a paint protector. And that's what I that's what um I was so high on with the Timberwolves is that the Timberwolves never the one thing that they lacked was legitimate uh rim protecting. And I think that now is is prevalent. Like it's way more obvious now that they have uh legitimate rim protecting. The perimeter defense is there. Anthony Edwards, yes, the numbers aren't there. Yes, he's had a couple of stinkers, but he is still He's he's been a much improved defender, um, over like over this year, before, uh, compared to the last couple of years, where he's been he's been known to like take a couple of plays off, and maybe he's you know he's just not there. I think, and that might be the Rudy Gobert effect because he had the same effect in in Utah, where it's like Royce O'Neal could be more aggressive on the defensive end because he know he he has Rudy Gobert behind him, or like Boyan Bogdanovich, even though towards the end of the Utah run. Boyan wasn't really like that on the defensive end. 
he was still solid enough to where it's like you can't leave him open or like or you can't you, you're not going to just give him uh get by him i should say um same it was like mike conley donovan mitchell um even clarkson he had he was much improved in the defensive end when he got to utah because he wasn't really like that in la or cleveland um so it's like there was like that's that rudy gobert effect and i think that's that's uh that's gotten to the temples because Anthony Towns is much improved. Anthony Edwards is much improved. Uh, D'Angelo Russell is much improved. Like again, last night didn't it wasn't the the test of that, but you know, games against uh against Utah, games against OKC, they those are the the games to that uh prove the um the Rudy Gobert's worth on the defensive side of the basketball. Um, so yeah, that's basically Rudy uh, Rudy Gobert's award to lose at this point. Um. I don't have a definitive most improved candidate yet. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I, I've sit, sat up and do, did this list. I was doing the Sunday, and then I was doing it last night to make sure, like, oh, I wasn't getting – but, like, there wasn't there wasn't any bona fide – besides, like, John Morant being, like, you know, he goes from averaging with 25 he did last year to 35 this year. Yeah, like, that's an improvement. But, like, he's already got the award. I'm not going to give the award to him again. That's lazy. Um I don't have a definitive most improved. Like even like the guys that like I nominated this year, like Isaac Okoro hasn't been great so far. Jaden McDaniels, yes, he's been good. I'd say he's been solid. He hasn't been great, nigga. Most improved candidate though. Like there wasn't a like a, a bona fide number one most improved player guy. So uh, we'll we'll leave that um award blank. A coach of the year. <laughs> I also talked to JT about this because, like I said, we had an extensive conversation about the Jazz. Um, we though I said it on the podcast, maybe I think it was actually in the review, so you can see live on video of me saying it. Um, <laughs> on the predictions episode, but I said that uh, Will Hardy jokingly would be coach of the year. I think my my actual coach of the year was uh, it was Chris Finch from Minnesota. Um, Will Hardy might actually be coach of the year, though, because only certain guys, very few guys have the tendency to get the utmost out of a, out of a team know, that knows that they're not going to win. Like the Utah Jazz, they knew going into the season that this was probably a lost cost season because they got a bunch of hodgepodge people similar to like the 2019 Cavs. Or the 2018-19 Cavs, I should be specific. Um, they it's a bunch of hodgepodge groups of group of people after one star leaves, or maybe a couple of stars leave, and it really should be like this because you know that's what we're just accustomed to. But a bunch of outcasts have come around to this head coach and have given him a hundred and ten percent. Like, realistically, nobody was expecting Laurie Markkinen to be, before John Morant had two all-timer games, Laurie Markkinen to be their, their first-week MVP. Laurie Markkinen was definitely in my conversation for first-week MVP. Um, Similar to last year where Harrison Barnes was, like, my first-week MVP. Um, Laurie Markkinen was going to be in that conversation. Kelly Olenek played in some of the heat. Kelly Olenek got a freaking game-winner. Like, who was expecting Kelly Olynyk to have a game winner this season? Let's be honest. Calling his own number, by the way. He uh, double on balls, um, double on ball screens, and basically he faked the handoff to Laurie Markkinen, faked the handoff to, I believe it was Colin Sexton, um, was on the floor also. 
And Kelly Olenek took the he took his own he gave his call his own number and he got the shot up and won it won the game. That was a Kelly Olenek call. But hey, like I said, nobody genuinely was nobody expecting the Utah Jazz to be this good, and nobody was expecting the Utah Jazz to potentially get two awards this week, or or get uh, two awards in the first week of the season. By the way, but um, even like Jerry Vanderbilt at the center spot, Jerry Vanderbilt is like the best center of all time. Like he's he is a menace under the glass, and. I guess it wasn't really shown in Minnesota because obviously he was playing next to Carl Anthony Towns. He only one center is on that team, but uh, they it, it's uh it's a, a learning curve honestly, which is crazy that the Minnesota Timberwolves get a learning curve. Or sorry, the Utah Jazz get a learning curve. But hey, that's the uh, neither here nor there. Um, Jordan Clarkson, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, even like <laughs> um Rudy Gay, Rudy Gay in the first game, like the Utah Jazz. Have quietly come have been like a really good team, and again, I'm not expecting anything from this team because they definitely still have a, uh, some holes to 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 address. But overall, I think this Utah Jazz team is at bare minimum has been fun, at bare maximum has been good, which is something I would have never said from uh, this team even like two weeks ago. Okay, now to get into the team uh, team reviews. I hate having to start with the 76ers here. Last night, they played the Pacers, which, you know, they won. The first three games, though, were tough, especially the San Antonio game. My God, that game was tough to watch. Um, It felt like it definitely felt like I'm not going to beat around the bush. Through those first few games, they were definitely, like Harden and Embiid still don't have a balance. And again, the the game against uh, Indiana, which is why they won, they showed a balance. But in the first games, Boston, Milwaukee, and uh, San Antonio, the first two games was James Harden classics. You know, high shot ten, uh, high shot Tennessee got a lot of buckets. Fortunately, came up short. That was classic James Harden. And Joel and B in the third game against San Antonio. Gave them 40 and still lost. They could not find a balance for anything. And now all of a sudden, boom. Harden gets you 29. Joel gets you 26. And boom. You beat a team that, on granted, it's the Indiana Pacers. But you still beat a relatively talented team. Downside to that, Tyrese Maxey finishes with eight. And again, with context, Tyrese Maxey just wasn't, he just wasn't Tyrese Maxey. That's basically the context you get. Like it, he just he simply he just wasn't in rhythm because James Harden's getting his, um, and Bead's getting his. Tyrese Maxey ain't really getting his, like like that. Like you know, like you know, eleven shots is pretty low for Tyrese Maxey. I'm gonna be honest with you, that is a low shot tendency for Tyrese Maxey. And again, you're not gonna get all four of these guys, and by four I mean those three and Tobias Harris. You're not gonna get all four of those guys to give you great numbers unless you're taking the night off on defense because one of them has to play defense. P.J. Tucker ain't guarding five people. I love I love P.J. Tucker, and he is good enough to potentially guard five people. I wouldn't do that over an 82-game stretch because you don't have a single other good defender except for baby D. Anthony Melton in this rotation. J- George Niang, not a good defender. Montrezl Harrell has been a historically bad defender. Paul Reed in stretches could be a good uh, paint, paint defender. I'm not trusting it in a full series, though. 
Matisse Thibault, sorry, Matisse Thibault fell out the rotation. So there's that. <laughs> um, the yeah, like the the there's a huge um window with the seventy sixers towards like yeah, they're the defense is going to be something that they're going to have to work on because even though in the Pacers game or sorry in the Bucks game it was a low scoring game, it was due to Milwaukee's shot shot making more than it was Philly's actual defense, which is scary because. That still was an L for them. I'm sorry, but uh, you know this is not. It wasn't the best performance at all. Next, Milwaukee Bucks. Again, fair. Again, with context, they've only played like two games, <laughs> so <laughs> let's um, we'll beat the we'll take the breaks off there for now with the Bucks. Like they're, it's legit been like two or three games and. Granted, they're winning, so there's that's like what the only thing you really care about. They're two and zero, but the first game was eh. The second game was against it was against the Houston Rockets. So again, with context, they haven't really shown a lot. Giannis still looks like Giannis under the cup. Like I'm not gonna like I said. There's no beating around the bush. There, Giannis is still absolutely ridiculous. He's well on his way to an MVP candidate type year, but they have not shown a whole lot. And again, it's because they've only played two games, so give it. We're gonna give it a grain of salt. But it's only like I say, it's a yeah situation with them. Like they're like it's. I'm gonna be honest with you. The Bucks, I, they're a team that they they they're gonna be the, the team in the Eastern Conference that coasts to the playoffs. I'm gonna be honest. You're probably gonna see them as like a third seed. But they're going to be coasting to the playoffs. And again, no Chris Middleton, no Pat Connaughton. Um, it's going to be a, a rough road to watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Giannis is going to be putting up 40 every game. But, you know, it's going to be the same Milwaukee Bucks, basically. Giannis plus shooters. Chicago Bulls. Is this the most backwards organization in the NBA? Because you get thrashed, and I do mean thrashed. By the Cleveland Cavaliers by 32 at home, nonetheless. And then you come back, granted, the first half they were down 20. And beat the Boston Celtics by 18. What? After after the first quarter, they was dogging the Celtics. I was... (laughs) I was on uh, Twitter during this game. Also, shout out to Kenny Beach, number one Bulls fan in the world, by the way. Um, where he tweeted, um, Jason, he was like basically giving Jason Tatum the MVP, and then probably what fifteen minutes later, quote tweeted his tweet saying, "Give me like basically it was a gift, like give me give me back my chain, give me back the MVP trophy I just gave you." Like I thought that was funny because a you know all time movie, but B. How quickly things changed in this game. How it went from, oh, God, the Bulls. We're going to have to have a Bulls rant on the pod to, wow, the Bulls just beat the, you know, probable Eastern Conference favorite by 20 after getting dogged by Cleveland by 30 the night before. Like, again, potentially the most backwards team in the NBA. And, I mean, this was in a 48-hour period of, Getting killed by Chicago, or sorry, getting killed by Cleveland, to getting killed by, or sorry, killing the Boston Celtics. 
Like where where do you see this again? This has been the most random season, but random but fun season we've had in a while. Um, speaking of the Cleveland Cavaliers, um, I have little to uh, like. Well, again, we haven't really seen a whole lot of Mitchell and Garland together. What Donovan Mitchell still looks like Donovan Mitchell. Um, Evan was nice to see Evan Mobley come back for both the Cleveland Cavaliers' sake and my fantasy team's sake because he's the one hole missing on my team. Like genuinely, probably the one hole. Like, John Moran has been killing it for the fantasy team, but I really needed a big man. I'm going to be honest with you. But, as a, I, God, almost choked him on the water. But, overall, like I said, the Cavs, the, again, admittedly, the, the Bulls game was the one game that I caught from the Cleveland Cavaliers so far of the three. Or, sorry, the two. Um, But, overall, like, I'm genuinely not upset that the Cavs, uh, um, at the Cavs so far, like, they're... I wouldn't even say they're bad. Like they're, it's a, there's uh, they're not. Uh, don't say, it, don't talk about it, be about it type of team. Like I'm not, co- like completely convinced that they're um that they're ready yet. Like yeah, they they had the game against the Bulls, but I need to see this team in full course. I want to see if Garland and Mitchell do really coexist, or if this is a. Like one works better without the other type situation. Because again, I want to see this team at full at full throttle. Because when we did get Garland, they didn't have Mobley. And now that we have Mobley, they don't have Garland. So there's like I said, it's a it's a curve that I I, ju- I just want to check out. Uh, in the mainstay, like I want to see um what they do with with um with this team in, uh with full health. Talk about a team with full health, not the Boston Celtics. Well, the Boston Celtics have been still been really, really good despite the the bad loss against the Bulls. I don't know what what happened that made them uh, get complacent. But in the first game against Philly, man, that was the Boston Celtics team that we were accustomed to seeing, getting on a fast break, getting you know all the defensive stops, was able to uh, get in transition a lot, and obviously they took advantage of the fact that. Philadelphia 76ers are not a defensive team. So that was like the, the main catalyst there. But Jason Tatum, first week of the season, looking like an MVP candidate, like I kind of mentioned in the, the predictions episode. Um, Jalen Brown, even in the first game, I thought was really good in the Chicago game. It was it was bad. I can't lie. Like the, the numbers won't show, but he, he did not look like Jalen Brown. Um, the front court. Um, they're <laughs> um they're definitely missing Robert Williams. I'll we'll go and put it lightly. Um, Al Horford has been he's he hasn't been bad. I will say we're we're not gonna say like I said Al Horford's never really been a a number at least like you know post Atlanta Hawks. He's never been a numbers guy. He's more of just a a hard worker. But um, so he's he hasn't been bad. But the bench is when I'm. I'm concerned about Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics bench in the playoffs last year. I'm specifically talking about Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard. And I guess Derek White, even though now he's starting Derek White to an extent. Um, they were really good in the playoffs. Uh, in Philly, they were good. Um, in Chicago, the bench was god awful. I think Malcolm Brogdon was like the only player that scored more than one field goal in the game. Um, <laughs> uh, Noah Vonley. Even though I was happy to see Noah Vonley make an NBA roster, 
he kind of showed why he had wasn't on an NBA roster for the last couple of years. And again, it was it's you know not saying that oh he sucks going to the G League, but like he he just he like again I again I'm keep mentioning he looks like he's he would be better off kind of just taking a an emergency role as opposed to playing extended minutes because he looks bad. <laughs> like I'm not gonna. I'm I'm not gonna harp on it because again it's only been really like two three games, but he does not look good. And like especially in Chicago, like it was prevalent in Chicago, and they don't really have anybody else that, that can play that role. Maybe Grant Williams, and they run super small. But like Blake Griffin, obviously, is not at this point in his career where he's running extended minutes. Uh, Luke Cornett, obviously, is not a guy that you want playing 15, 20 minutes a game. So they're like they're kind of handicapped there for the next couple of months until Robert Williams gets healthy. But yeah, it's a rough patch. It's definitely a rough, rough patch there to say the least. Like it's still they're still a three and one team. Don't get her twisted. But like it's uh it's going to be a rough patch for the foreseeable future if they go against another. Uh, see, here's the thing. They did well with Joel Embiid on the on the offensive end. Like they were basically able to run. Out, basically outrun Joel Embiid, but when they're going against like a Brooklyn Nets, maybe Toronto Raptors, if you want to put them in that category too, um, they're gonna to have the they're gonna to have to have a good half court offense because those teams like running, like they got bigs that can run. They got big, even though the Brooklyn Nets are not a good uh, defensive team at all, which again we'll get to. Um, they are very much. They they're very much uh, looking at the uh they're still like they still got mobile bigs they got Dayron Sharp they got uh Nico Claxton even Markeith Morris is still a, a pretty energetic guy even at his age um this is a, a they got bigs that can run I just I hope that the uh, half court offense which I'm not I'm not as concerned about against Brooklyn as I am against Toronto I'm gonna be honest with you but um it's just, it's a concern that. That still warrants uh questions, but again, they're still three and one, so like they're finding ways to win even with the uh with the the bad loss against Chicago and the uh kind of a half effort I I should say against Philly for the vast majority of that game. Um, next, L.A. Clippers, shockingly, only caught one Clippers game so far, and obviously it was the Lakers game, which again we'll get to the Lakers because I've had the unfortunate of catching all three Lakers games because two of them have been on national team. Two of them been on national TV, and one of them was in a time slot where no other games was on. So, with that being said, um, the Clippers. I'm happy to see John Wall back again. I'm only speaking for the first one game that I watched. I'm not going to uh, say that I've watched every single Clippers game so far, but it's the, like I'm happy to see John Wall back to his former self. Kawhi Leonard even looked really, really decent in the in the game against the Lakers. Granted, it's the Lakers, but. Like again, for the first time in over a year playing for both of them, um, it was a in John Wall's case almost two years. Um, it was a pretty pretty nice uh effort, honestly. Like I'm I enjoyed their uh their like enjoyed John Wall's interaction interaction, especially in the first quarter, because basically he was able to take advantage of the fact that only one guard on the Lakers can play defense, and that's Patrick Beverly. Um uh, once they were able to bring in like Kendrick Nunn and um Lonnie Walker, like they, like basically, once they were the matchup for John Wall, it was pretty much as easy. It was cake at that point. Even Austin Reeves couldn't really keep up with him at uh, in that game. 
Um, also, Visa Zubak looked like the, the second coming of of Wilt Chamberlain with uh with that that performance. Like, quietly was the best player on the LA Clippers. Um, because like you said, the stars weren't there. Marcus Morris had a solid game, but it was a Marcus Morris game uh, that you typically get anyways. Paul George was pretty underwhelming. Um, again, Kawhi was solid for the first time. Uh, first playing for the first time since last May, I believe, was when the conference finals. Maybe it was June, last June when the conference finals happened. Um, and even John Wall didn't play this past season, and the Rockets weren't a playoff team the year before. So basically, it was like the first time since like February of last year he played, and they both looked like they didn't miss a step. Like I'm pretty sure they didn't play in uh in the game against the Kings last night that they won. Um, quick look at the stat sheet. They didn't. Um, but in the Lakers game, they looked pretty – they looked they, they looked on beat, which is all I can really say about the, the uh, L.A. Clippers. Like, I'm just glad that uh, this is a – I'm glad this is a team that is deep enough to where they can miss a Kawhi Leonard and still have a competent 10-11 man uh, rotation. Um, even without John Wall too, no Kawhi, no John Wall, and they were able to run basically ten people yesterday, um, with the, including Amir Coffee. Um, this team, like I said, this team is deep. I just like, and this is a team that I picked to win an NBA championship specifically because of how deep, how switchable, and um, and the fact that they got a healthy Kawhi Leonard coming back. Next, Memphis Grizzlies. We kind of went into a deep uh, discussion of Memphis Grizzlies earlier when we talked about John Morant being the first league MVP. Um. They're offensively, like I said, this team has not missed a beat. Defensively, this team is desperately missing Jaron Jackson Jr., which, you know, hope, uh, hopes a speedy recovery with him. But easily, um, it's, it's going to be a it's going to be a test for sure on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not worried because I, like I'm loving so far John. Mar- I don't know how much they can keep up with John Moran averaging 35 on ridiculous efficiency. But him and Desmond Bain look like one of the best backcourts in the league for a reason in the first couple of games that they've played so far. And even Santiago Aldama, I think it's been a good um, good addition on the defensive – or sorry, on the offensive side. Defense leaves a lot to be desired. But, again, you know, if you can put up 135, why not? Um, Steven Adams hasn't – again, hasn't missed a beat. Brandon Clark off the bench it looks just as good. He looks like that, that $13 million that they paid him was a very, very grossly underpaid, which I personally agree with. Um, even with, like – some of the younger guys that they got, Jake Laveria, um, and God Kennedy Chandler, um, or shoot, Dave Roddy also, um, have been really, really, really key so far in the, um, in the first couple of games. Like I said, because they need, they kind of need the depth. They don't have Dylan Brooks right now. They don't have, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. Like they're going to need some of these dudes to to pick up the slack on on when it comes to depth. And so far, they have uh, stepped up. With, they have passed with flying colors because. Well, Memphis looks like one of the best teams in the league right now. Even with the uh, with the the bad, horrendous loss to Dallas Mavericks, which again we'll get to. It was a like overall, this has been a really good season for them so far. Atlanta Hawks, probably one of those teams where it's like you kind of are getting what you expected out of the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, like they're they're pretty run of the mill team. Um, Trey like Trey Young has struggled shooting the basketball, even though he's getting his points. They're get you. It's Trey Young basketball. He's going to shoot a lot of free throws. That's basically what it. He's going to shoot a lot of free throws. I believe he's averaging like twenty four ish, twenty three and a half maybe shots per game. 
and is shooting about 32% from the field. So this has been a uh it's been a rough start to the season for him, but he's still getting he's still averaging 25 and 12. Like he's still he's still getting his numbers the Trey Young way, feeding a lot of guys and getting to the free throw line. That's like legit Trey Young basketball to a T. But overall, DeJounte Murray doesn't look bad. Obviously, he doesn't look like Spurs DeJounte Murray because obviously the ball's not in his hands nearly as much. Um, glad to see Clint Capella is healthy again. God, I feel like I haven't said those words in a long time. Clint Capella is healthy, and Clint Capella is producing, averaging a double-double, and or um, sorry, I said average. He had a double-double against Charlotte, even though they lost. Um, didn't really uh, play a whole lot against Houston, and even in Orlando, just wasn't getting uh, the lobs that he usually gets. But overall, him and the Yaka Kongu have been the perfect slot at the uh been the perfect slot at the center spot for them. Um even DeAndre Hunter, like even though DeAndre Hunter is not having the most uh overwhelming start to the season, had a really good game against Houston that I thought and again, he looked aggressive. That was what I uh was saying when DeAndre Hunter first got paid. I'm like, if they're are they gonna get lackluster and not really playing a whole lot, DeJounte or sorry, DeAndre Hunter, or are they gonna get an aggressive and relatively healthy DeAndre Hunter? And if they if they are, then bang, that's this is a W payday for them, but until we get that, uh, DeAndre Hunter, I'm still kind of skeptical of the money. I'm gonna be honest with you, John Collins. John Collins is John Collins. I'm gonna be, like frustrated watching John Collins. I'm gonna be honest with you because I feel like we've said this for maybe five years at this point that he or maybe it's like closer to four, but I feel like he could do a whole lot more. He's putting up solid numbers, but John Collins has always put up solid numbers. He just doesn't look right. <laughs> like it, it's a, it's a happy medium, I guess. Like in the the specifically, I've only watched like the two games. I watched the Charlotte game last night and then the Houston game, but uh, they. <sighs> All right, John Collins is probably the most inconsistent player in the NBA. Is that fair to say? I feel like he's fairly he's the most inconsistent. If if he's on, he's on. And if he's off, he's way off. Like, there's no in-between. He's either going to give you an all-star, superstar-level performance, or he's just going to go ghost. Like, basically what he did in Charlotte. He's going to he's going to disappear. Granted, gave you a double-double, but it was a very, very minuscule double-double. Like, it was, it was a very monotonous, lackluster, bland double-double in... I'm still pretty much in the favor if they ever find a John Collins trade, please do it because it's it's not it's not going well so far. Next with the Miami Heat. Oh boy, where do I start? Um happy to see Tyler Hero starting. All right, I'm going to be honest with you. The Miami Heat have been one of the more uh pretty basic teams to watch. They've been, they've been pretty mid. They're it's uh, I don't know where to go with this, I'm going to be honest with you, because I feel like this is going to sound like me hating on the Miami Heat. I genuinely don't hate the team. I think they're still going to be a playoff team, probably a pretty high seed. I don't know. What, and again, I said this in the offseason, too. I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I was not a fan of of them, like, basically not saying, I was like, they're basically keeping the starting lineup, like, in-house. Like, they don't know who's going to be that four. I thought Caleb Martin was going to start with flying colors. I was personally a fan of Haywood Highsmith even starting for them. Um, them running small has cost them because in the in the 
in the three games that they lost, Pascal Siakam has been um has been a killer, especially from um basically getting into the paint. He hit a couple threes, but he was more of a guy that, that get into the paint, slashing at will. Because God, like he he was it was ridiculous. Like getting him getting into the paint was relatively easy. And Pascal's bigger. Actually, he's taller than Bam Adebayo. That's a fun fun fact for you, by the way. Pascal Siakam, who basically is positionless on this team, by the way. He's basically a positionless, positionless player. Like he's a he's a guy that could play basically three through five on any given team. I think he's he's basically going to be a, a relative five on this Raptors squad, but or a relative four, I should say, but mostly a five. Um, but yeah, the back to my original point actually. Um the two games that they, they played against uh Toronto, the for one that they won and then the one they lost, both were Pascal killers. Pascal was a killer in both games. And again, even then Pressures Achua off the bench was giving them double like double doubles and whatnot. Like it's interesting to see the uh the very least is like they're getting killed by size. Even in the Boston game, Jason Tatum. This was not a Jason Tatum perimeter game. This is Jason Tatum getting to the basket, getting out on the break, finishing in the paint. And again, Jason Tatum's the same height as Bam Adebayo. And I'm going to be honest with you, probably more athletic. He's going to be uh, feasting feasting and feasting down. He's feasting and beasting down low. And even in the game against Chicago, uh, Nikola Vucevic probably had his, I'd say maybe his best game of the year besides the game against Boston because Nikola Vucevic was killing against Boston. Um Nikola Vucevic legit was giving them with like 17 and 16 or something ridiculous like that, 17 and 15. Um, but yeah, like again, it's uh it's a it's a growing pain that I'm willing to deal with with the Miami Heat because I know that Coach Spo is gonna have this team ready and rolling by um by the halfway about halfway through the season. But until from here to December, it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough ride for sure. Um uh, watching Miami Heat basketball. And then basically getting killed by every big man in the league. Because again, Pascal twice and Nikola Vucevic and even Jason Tatum, who I wouldn't even consider a big man, more of a wing, but he's playing big basically for the Boston Celtics. He's even killing the Miami Heat down low. And again, it's going to be a, a rough patch, especially if they're going to go against the Joel Embiid's and uh in the out in the Boston Celtics bigs, big 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 lineup, I should say, um of the like. Next with the Charlotte Hornets. Same thing that I said about the Hawks. Probably have watched one game, to be honest with you. And it was the game against Atlanta, actually. Um, <laughs> still not a believer, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just going to be. Like, again, I'm not a believer of a whole lot. Again, it's three, three, four games and four games max for most of these teams. I'm not obviously not going to be, be a believer this early in the season. But... Overall, like they have a bunch of fluky players on this team. Like Kelly Oubre is a fluky player. Terry Rozier is a fluky player. Dennis Smith Jr., I'm absolutely loving getting the opportunity that he is because God, I feel like at least two years now, we ha- I or we as an I have been saying, God, I just want one team to take advantage of again of the the lack of the lack of opportunity that Dennis Smith Jr. has gotten and the Charlotte Hornets of that team and he's passed with flying colors. Also loving off the bench, Nick Richards as a big man, uh multiple double double so far in the first week of the season. 
Shout out to Nick Richards also because um, he was one of my guys. I was like, he's going to be the next. He's going to be, I would say, the quote unquote breakout guy from the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and he again, he's also the flat pass with flying colors. Um, it was him and Jalen McDaniels that were actually my two slides. But Jalen McDaniels hasn't really been all that this season. Um, Nick Richards also, God, I feel like, and again, because the Hornets have so many young guys that all play in this like the same position. They got PJ Washington, they got Nick Richards, they got Mark Williams, they got Kai Jones. They have a lot of young guys in this JT Thor. Um, they have plenty of guys that all kind of fit in the same mold, same role of uh as you know, just big man that that's pretty skilled, but not uh skilled enough to where he can be used. I or they can use them all at the same time. And annoyingly, this Hornets team, no, we even though we know this Hornets team is not competing for anything, granted they're two and one, they're not gonna be competing though. I kind of want to see more Mark Williams minutes. I think he's had with five minutes between the three games that they played. Um yeah, this let's not let's not do this, Charlotte. Come on. Mark Mark Williams is basically a lottery pick for you, and he's not going to touch the floor until unless they're the Hornets are up 20. That's basically what this is. But overall, like I said, I'm glad Dennis Smith Jr. is getting an opportunity because even then, all, like on like I test is telling you, Dennis Smith Jr. is look good. He's looking like a competent point. Like, granted, rookie, sophomore Dennis Smith Jr., who's putting up the numbers, he was eh, with the efficiency, but like he just looked like he was kind of out of control. This is a more controlled uh, Dennis Smith Jr., and that's what I love to see. Next, Utah Jazz. I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I have not watched a single Utah Jazz game this season. Fun fact. And guess what? I think it's because I hated on this team, and I legit thought this team was going to phone it in for the first, um, for honestly, for this, this entire season. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought they were going to phone it in probably a 22-60 and 60 team. They've already exceeded my expectations. Um, my unrealistic expectations, I should say that. Um, again, I mentioned earlier, it's like, God, what well, I wouldn't say I haven't watched a single thing. I've watched, I watched the, uh, I didn't watch the Nuggets game. I watched the, God, which game was it? Now I'm upset that I can't remember which game I watched of the Utah Jazz. Um, it was the Kelly Olynyk game winner though. I remember, I vividly remember because I was like, God, why didn't Kelly Olynyk just hand the ball up to Larry Marketing? And I was like, Oh yeah, because Kelly Olynyk is like that. But um. But in all seriousness, though, uh, like it's, I'm glad that Will Hardy is the guy. Oh, it was New Orleans. That's what it was. I was like, cause, oh yeah, because uh, Brandon Ingram got hurt. Um, I, I'm glad that Will Hardy is getting these boys in shape, though. I'm genuinely, because I can't lie, I was pretty, again, I was one of those guys that hyped up the Will Hardy signing because I know Will Hardy could be a good uh, NBA coach. He came through that system. Um, not a whole lot of people knew the name, and I'm glad that I was one of those first people that was like, yeah, Will, I, I think Will Hardy's going to be a good coach. I didn't think he was going to be this good of a coach to where he's getting a bunch of, of miscast people to be the first seed in the Western Conference. <laughs> that was that was not on my bucket list of uh, of NBA, um, NBA trivia through, or NBA um, bingo through the first week of the season. Like That was not on my, uh, my, my list, my bingo card for the first week of the season with the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs being the top two teams in the West. Um, Next, Sacramento Kings. It's the Sacramento Kings. Black Keegan Murray's on the floor. 
but I'm not excited. I'm the, this this team, the Kings team for who I hyped in the offseason to be the potential eighth seed of the West has been boring. And I can't believe a team with De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Malik Monk, um, granted, you know, um, Keegan Murray, no Harrison Barnes, unfortunately. But that team, Kevin Herter, that team is boring. Only the Sacramento Kings can make sure make that team look boring. I, I can't. I genuinely can't sit down and watch a Sacramento Kings game. Like, and again, a team on paper, I said, all things go right for them. I could see them being the seventh, eighth seed. They're not looking seventh, eighth seed right now. Again, I hate watching Kings games now. I can't believe this. I said I hate watching Kings games. And again, there's nothing wrong with the the people. There's not, nothing wrong with the players. You know, I like Mike Brown as a coach. I think, you know, probably an assistant more, but I think he could be a head coach in the right system. This just isn't the right right uh system, right personnel for him. I'm sorry. Uh like I'm I'm happy that Mike Brown is a is an NBA coach, but I'm 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 just not like it's not too making me tune in to watch Kings games, I'm gonna be honest with you. New York Knicks. I've got a couple of uh, sample sizes from the New York Knicks, um, I believe three games. Uh, this has been one of, if not the most fun teams to watch. And I was not, uh, it, I will happily admit that I was wrong about the New York Knicks. I was ha- I was thinking, Jalen Brunson's a cool little pickup, but realistically, does this team scratch the play-in? This team is looking pretty play-in, in my personal opinion. Because ah, that's an alliteration. This Knicks team, I'm gonna be honest with you. In the three games that I watched, the you know the, the game against New York or sorry, the game against Orlando, the game against Detroit, and the game against uh, God, why am I blanket? Uh, Memphis, God. Um, genuinely, probably one of the more fun teams to watch. The Knicks bench has been undefeated. Like the Knicks, the Knicks bench has low key won them these games. Like, yeah, Jalen Brunson's been good. Um, Julius Randle has been he well, last night he had a good game. But before that, Julius Randle was to Julius Randle. Um the bench has been good. Like for the couple of games, it was Isaiah Hartenstein. One game it was Cam Reddish, one game it was Emmanuel Quickly, one game it was Obi Toppin. Even Derrick Rose, given the leadership minutes, even though he's not putting up the numbers, he's been, you know, he's been a vocal leader on and off the court for them. The Knicks bench has been genuine. And again, this is before Quentin Grimes um, gets healthy. This is before Dukes McBride really gets any uh, a whole lot of run time. The Knicks bench has been some one of my favorite things to uh, to cover throughout the first week of the season because was not expecting that performance in Detroit where they high key were the reason that um the game was as big of a blowout as it was. Even in the game against Memphis, that was high key what kept them in it was Cam Reddish, was Isaiah Hartenstein after Mitchell Robinson went out. Um was quietly Derrick Rose off the bench. Was Obi Toppin getting them energy. Like that was what kept them in that game. And granted John Morant having an all timer was kind of what uh what kind of finished that. But like the Knicks still look like a competent NBA team just with their bench alone. And I kind of want that to be the the motive going forward because obviously we know Tim uh Tom Thibodeau, he plays his starters to into the ground. That's something that has been a Tom Thibodeau statement for about 12 years at this point since he first became the coach in Chicago. 
kind of was why Derrick Rose taking bench roles, kind of why Joe Kim Noah had to retire earlier than he wanted to. Todd Gibson, you know, basically being the end of the bench now. Like, he's that's kind of why he's because he's ran his starters into the ground. Granted, Jimmy Butler is probably the one guy that really escaped that. And hopefully, and again, you know, maybe Jimmy Butler's um, healthy down the road. But like I said, he's probably the one guy that's actually beat those, beat that, uh, he's, he's, he's beat that, uh, that allegation. Next. Oh boy. Uh, I almost want to skip this one to be honest with you. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. I kind of gave my, uh, my Russell Westbrook opinions on the Friday pod. Y'all go check that one out. It was a fun episode. Gave my LeBron and Anthony Davis opinions on that same episode. I almost want to turn this into a meme. I really, I genuinely want to skip this. This is live in 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 post, not even in post, like not in post, but this is live on air. I want to skip this. No other team on this list, Orlando, Dallas, Brooklyn, Denver, Indiana, New Orleans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't want to skip the rest. I do want to skip the Lakers. This has sucked. This experience sucked. Okay, all right, we're skipping it. I don't care. I don't care. I've heard. I've given my Lakers opinions for the last seventeen months of me doing sixteen months of me doing podcasting. I'm done with the Lakers. I told John a couple episodes ago. We done giving Hollywood attention. Orlando. I'm. Kind of baffled, if I'm being honest with you, that Orlando gave Mohabamba a contract extension and Bobo has outplayed him. If Bobo is not getting full-time backup center minutes, I'm going to need to speak to Orlando management. Because if Mohabamba, because granted, Jerry West is not afraid to pay the tax. If the Clippers are not trading for Mohabamba as a backup center in the next three, four months, when's the trade deadline? About four months out, uh, which is February. If they're not trading for Mo Bamba as for a backup center, probably I don't know who they gave they give up. Maybe Robert Covington, who knows? If they're not paying that luxury tax to go get Mo Bamba, I'm going to need to speak to somebody in Orlando. Because why did you first of all, him and Gary Harris, by the way. Gary Harris is also granted his is with injury, but those two that they gave contract extensions to have not touched have not touched a lick of meaningful playing time. Bobo has been the guy in Orlando. Caleb Houston has been the guy um, at the shooting guard spot. Even Archie Hampton getting spot minutes. Terrence Ross is the starter. And Orlando running this ridiculously big lineup again. I'm just thinking, you got 700 point guards on this roster. And again, I understand Markel Fultz is hurt. Cole Anthony is Cole Anthony. Archie Hampton's not getting run. Jalen Suggs is injured. I understand this. But Jesus Christ, this lineup is, even though they're not winning, you know, they got the they have not won a single game so far this season in, in four tries. This lineup is going to be the future of the NBA. I promise you this. Between this being what it was what? Franz Wagner, Caleb Houston, uh, Paulo Boncaro, um, Bull Bull, and Wendell Carter, slash Mo Bamba, whichever one, whichever big you want to uh, run in that spot, that's, that's fine by me. Um, but yeah, that lineup. That's going to be the future of the NBA. Teams are going to draft these seven-footers 
just to put them on the floor together to compete with Orlando Magic. Y'all are listening to this as of October 25th, 2022. I understand that we talked about it being 12 o'clock earlier. I had to take a break. It is now 3.05. Shout out to 3.05 Live. Shout out to, uh, the, to the Miami to the Miami crew. But the Orlando Magic go to future the league with this lineup. Dallas Mavericks, they have been a mixed bag. You are losing to the Phoenix Suns. You are beating the Memphis Grizzlies. How does that work? I don't know. Um, Luka Doncic has been him. That's like that's first things first. Um, the rest of this team has been extremely underwhelming. And again, I know it's only been two games. Like let's, let me let me stop the tracks there. They can it could easily change in the next what six hours when they play again. But so far, the rest of this team, this has been the Luka Doncic show for the vast majority of again. It closed out in the one of the weirdest fashions of all time, where like they had a fourth quarter dedicated to Damian Lee in Phoenix, and then uh, Luka Doncic scoring, I believe, it was twenty four in the first half, twenty in the first quarter, outscoring the Grizzlies actually um, in the first quarter. Uh, this team has been. Like I said, it's been, again, I understand it's been two games. This team has been extremely underwhelming. I hope it changes. I, I pray to God it changes, actually. Otherwise, it's uh, it's going to be a long season. Christian Wood against Memphis was pretty good off the bench in the limited role he played. Um, but overall, this has been the Luka Doncic show for the vast majority of it. Um, next, Brooklyn Nets. <sighs> I'm about to make. I almost want to skip this one too, but I gotta make an apology to y'all. I really do. I do genuinely gotta make an apology. I'm sorry that I spent what was it, seven, eight months of last year, and basically the entire off season defending Ben Simmons. And again. I want a preference. It's been the first week of the season, and he is probably not back in game shape after not playing since March, April, May, June, May of last year. I understand that. The fouling is an issue. Did the offense the offense has been well documented? I'm not we're not going to get into the offense again. Obviously, the offense is an issue. We know it's an issue, and it will always be an issue with Ben Simmons. The fouling is what's getting me, bro. Again, maybe it's the conditioning, so he can't keep up with his his opposition as much. But holy hell. This has been one of the worst starts of a season from any all-star caliber player. I might have seen in my lifetime. I have to preference by saying all-star caliber because I know he's an all-star caliber player. I'm not going to be casual and say that, oh, he's always sucked. He's always been overrated, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to be that guy. But I might have seen the worst performance of any all-star caliber player in a game, in a stretch like this, maybe ever. I just want to point this by saying 17 points, 
14 fouls. Yes, you heard that right. He has almost as many as many fouls per game as he does points per game. I think that averages to about about four and a half fouls a game, four maybe four point seven fouls a game, five point seven points a game. And again, I, I I understand he's the passing is still there, the rebounding is still there. He's still somewhat efficient, but the fouling has to stop, bro. And again, it's not outside of the the the, the foul out the last foul from the Memphis game. Outside of that foul, it was which W move in the Grizzlies part, by the way. Um, basically running down like thirty seconds, but outside they are all dumb fouls. Like little reaching, a little grabbing. Like granted, the you know the the Grizzlies, the last one was a like minimal contact, but the vast majority of them have been like very they they have been foul worthy calls. That ha- that first has to stop because Katie's there, Ben's there, some of the role players have been there. You know, like I've been very underwhelmed by Royce O'Neal so far. I've been. Extremely underwhelmed by uh, Nico Claxton so far, despite the sixteen and seven last night. Very underwhelmed. Um, Joe Harris, I think he's also trying to work himself back into game shape because the shooting is absolutely no longer there, and the rest of the team is the rest of the team. But this all starts with Ben Simmons. If Ben Simmons ain't rolling, Brooklyn ain't rolling. Because KD and Kyrie can only combine for 74 so many times and still lose by double digits. I'm sorry. I, like I said, I, I like Ben. I still think that deep, deep, deep down in there, he is still a quality NBA player. Potentially even an all-star someday. But that has not even began, pretended to blossom. I'm sorry. We love I love Ben and I do hope that this turns around for his sake and the organization's sake. I do hope that this turns around, but this this is not treading down a good path. Next, Denver Nuggets. Caught one game. It sucked. I'm sorry. Denver Again, I do want to preface. Denver okay. Let me preface the game. The game itself didn't suck. The Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors were was it probably one of my favorite games so far in the first week. I will preface by saying that was one of my favorite games to watch. But this team, I just want to point this out: the Denver Nuggets are two and two. They beat the NBA champions from three months ago, which I, in all sense purposes, said. Look like they upgraded this offseason. They upgraded with uh Gary Payton the second with um with Dante DiVincenzo, upgraded Otto Porter with Jamichael Green. To me, those seem like upgrades purely based off of, of talent and IQ. Like those look like good up. They beat again a team that's supposed to lose in OKC Thunder, but still a talented team nonetheless. And the NBA champions, they lose to the Portland Trailblazers without said Gary Payton II that I uh, just hyped up not too long ago. 
with a pretty basic roster, which, again, it was based off the back of Anthony Simons having one of the craziest uh, third quarters and the craziest reactions to a third quarter I've ever seen. Um, Damian Lillard, who's been off his rocker so far, who also deserves a nominee for first-week MVP, too. And the Utah Jazz, who, let's be, again, who are 3-1, and one, but let's be honest, a team that we all thought would phone it in and win 15 games max. Don't let's not pretend that this has been a a a holy season for the Denver Nuggets. And Jamal Murray, I'm frustrated watching youth being frustrated. And again, those those misses will turn into makes eventually. But so far in the first three games he's played, I believe it's been a rough rough three games to, or two games, as to say, two games to watch from him. Okay, see, you know, he was missing shots that Jamal Murray in his career has typically hit. I'll even say the same thing about Portland. He missed a lot of shots that Jamal Murray would basically hit. It's just not, it's not working so far. And again, first game jitters or first couple of games jitters, I understand this. Um, he He needs that one game and maybe it's against the Lakers, who knows, but I I don't see it. I just I don't see it. Like so far it's it's been it's been a rocky road. Indiana Pacers. Holy shit. Benedict Mather. Benedict Mather has is run, again running away with rookie of the year as we as again one week into the season. But he has been far and away the most consistent rookie so far. Um Pacers themselves, Tyrese Halliburton again. Shout out to um James Wilder Adams, shout out to uh Big J Dub. From uh, what's on tap NBA? Uh, he had a tweet that I talked about um in one of my previous episodes. I, God, I don't remember. I think it might have been like the Pacers offseason rebuild or review or something like that. But um, he came probably the second person I've seen coming with the Tyrese Halliburton has Chris Paul potential. God, I've been waiting for somebody to say this forever. An athletic Chris Paul. That's like one of the greatest point guards of all time, right there. And guess what? Who do you think mentioned this? Like four months ago, whenever we did that Pacers uh, offseason talk, I think it was in September, uh, or I said in September, God, in July when we talked about it. But genuinely, I think he does have uh, Russell Westbrook, sorry, with God, Russell Westbrook, not, not that, not like that. Um, Chris Paul potential. And it's not, again, not at the realm of possibility because, again, elite level playmaking already. Um, can He can score the basketball, doesn't look to score, but he is, he can score the basketball and is a, you know, he, he's going to get better on defense as, you know, time progresses, as his body gets uh, bigger, as he gets his conditioning under him. He's going to be a much better defender in the NBA, like like a Chris Paul was. Um, but I, I'm curious to see how, how what they put around the Indiana Pacers long term. Because Benedict Matherin looks like he's staying. Jalen Smith, he's even though only a two-year deal, I feel like he's probably going to be a guy for the Pacers for the foreseeable future. Um I could probably even see maybe Chris Dorte being here for one more year. Um, I'm d- definitely not uh, seeing them <laughs> uh, move him f- um, long term. I doubt, or sorry, I, I, I said, I, Jesus Christ, I can't speak today. We're an hour and a half in, I'm sorry. Um, we can definitely, I, I mean, definitely can see them trading him in the future if a contender wants him. Um, 
but overall, I, I don't see him being part of the long-term plan of this team. Um, those two first-round picks from the Lakers are looking mighty juicy right now. Because, God, I know the Lakers fans don't want to see Russell Westbrook 82 times a year. The Lakers front office don't want to see him on the floor 82 times a year. The Lakers themselves don't want to see him on the, uh, on the floor 82 times a year. Those two first-round picks is looking more and more juicy the more the Lakers lose. And if those two first-round picks end up in Indiana for uh, Turner and Buddy, hey, I can't lie. Indiana, you're going to have to jump on that deal. Granted, Indiana wants to deal. It's the Lakers that's scared to give up two first-round picks for a contending team right now. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Um, overall, Indiana Pacers, I think, again, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve. They have a couple wins in, uh, under, or have a win under, under their belt. Um, don't see a whole lot of them happening this year, but I do appreciate that they are, at least, they have a foundation in place with two bona fide future All-Stars in Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Mather. New Orleans Pelicans. Sucks that Brandon Ingram is hurt. Um, I, you know, concussions are not, not a joke. Hopefully he's, uh, it's a, I would not a get well soon, but a get well, um, efficiently. Like, you know, not wouldn't say in a fast way, but in a, hopefully like there's no long-term damage to his, um, to his head. Just like, I, I want to see him come back healthy before I see him come back soon. It's basically what I'm getting at. Um, Zion Williamson has not missed a beat. He's one of those guys that's like, hey, man, conditioning. I don't need that conditioning. I just want to go hoop. And the hooping has commenced. I have, I've never been more convinced that somebody has come back better from an injury than Zion Williamson has. And again, granted, you know, he had a scary fall in the game. Uh, Sorry, I guess... <laughs> In the game against uh, Utah again, but uh, like overall, like I'm, I've been pretty impressed by Zion. I've even been impressed by the um, the role players, guys like Larry Nance Jr., um, Jonas Valanciunas, Dyson Daniels, they Jose Alvarado. They have been even Herb Jones. God, Herb Jones has looked good. Um, even talked about with um with Jay. Like, I keep mentioning JT in this episode. Shout out to JT, but um. We talked about as like since Larry Marketing and Jazz lost, shoot, I might start my Herb Jones, uh Herb Jones MVP narrative. Shoot. Herb Jones is he's going Herb Jones is going to be that guy in a couple of years. Believe me. Don't like I know y'all hear that every every episode. By the way, I need to explain this. I know I'm going off on a tangent a little bit. But if y'all hear that noise in the episode, that don't think nothing to us. This is uh my green screen back here. I have like I have a green screen. If you see the video episode, you'll see the green screen. But I have a green screen back here, and every time I sit back in my chair, um, it presses up against the strap of the green of, of the green screen, uh, green screen, bro, green green screen, and it uh pushes back the like and basically basically it just like because it's stuck. It basically gets stuck to the chair, and then I unpull like I pull it from the chair, and then that's what makes it makes that uh that noise. So yeah, just wanted to explain that because again, I've had a couple of complaints about that being uh an annoying noise that y'all may or may not hear through the podcast. I might cut it out, but uh, 
there's an ex- explanation right there if I if it's not cut out in post. Because God, I don't feel like editing this episode an hour in and a half into this. Y'all just gonna have to hear everything. God, um, next, what are we talking about? The, the Pelicans. Um, oh yeah, we we talked about the role players. Pistons. I don't want to get into the Pistons. I understand that we're losing. I understand. But God, please get Jalen Durant some more minutes. And please run some more lineups. And hopefully we get healthy and such and such. Nerlens Noel get some minutes. God, I don't know. Just something. Something with this team. Raptors. We mentioned a couple times earlier. Pascal, that dude. Um, Scotty Barnes, not the year two jump that I thought he would take. Um, he's been all right. I guess like he's he's been okay. Like he he has been injured. He's been out. I understand that completely. But overall, it's like I I don't know. I feel is underwhelmed the word I want to use for this situation with Scotty Barnes. I genuinely like I I don't want to. I don't like I said I don't want to over be. I don't want to be pretty uh, over dramatic about it because again I understand the injuries happen. But even in the first game that he, the first full game he played, I wasn't too impressed. And again, this one game, not gonna harp on it. But overall, like I feel like I've seen more out of Gary Trent Jr. I've seen more out of OG Ananobi. I've seen more out of Precious Achua, Fred Van Vliet, even like Christian uh, Coloco, Thaddeus Young, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen more out of them than I've seen um, out of Scotty Barnes, and even in the one game. So, you know, questions have to be asked. And I just I I don't see a whole lot going on so far. Um, in that situation, Houston, <sighs> please get Eric Gordon out of Houston. Eric Gordon visibly does not want to be in Houston. Granted, Eric Gordon has the same facial expression every single time something happens, but I feel like visibly he wants to be on a contender. And the God, God, I've seen that Lakers Photoshop so many times. If well, that twenty twenty seven slash twenty twenty nine pick is in is for Eric Gordon. No offense to Eric Gordon. He's still a solid NBA player. But if that pick is for Eric Gordon, I might legit laugh at Lakers Twitter. Because if Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and that pick can get you only Eric Gordon, look. I'm I'm not gonna say nothing. <laughs> let me let me keep my let me keep the Lakers out of this. Anyways. Oh uh, yeah, but Houston. Um, like I said, Jalen Green has taken me that year or two jump that I thought Scotty Barnes would take. Um, Jabari Smith, it looks pretty again. Feel the percentages will tell you otherwise. But overall, he's Jabari Smith knows his game, and that's the number one thing you, you want in a young guy is that he knows his game. He knows he's a perimeter guy. He knows he's going to take a lot of jumpers. Live with it. You're a team that's going to lose anyway, so you might as well just let him roll for the first. 50-ish games of the season, and then you roll with uh, what you want to uh, build for next season. Even like um, Kevin Porter Jr., I think he's had a couple of solid games. A guy that had I haven't been vocal about, and I'm like, I don't think this is going to work. I don't think this is a, a situation where you should really be building around this specific guy. Um, but overall, I do think uh, that it will eventually fit. I just don't... I, I don't think that it's going to fit to the degree that Houston or even Rockets fans believe that it's actually going to fit long-term. Um, San Antonio, again, have caught 
minimal Spurs games this year. Like maybe like a half a game that's like playing in the background, but I'm paying attention to another game more. It's that kind of situation with the Spurs. Um, I'm more pay- paying attention to Yaka Pertle fantasy uh, numbers. If I'm being as be honest, be being honest with you. Um, but yeah, like the Spurs are. I will once again saying the what are the more uninteresting teams to watch in the league? And it's been like that for a while. And even when they were winning, they were uninteresting to watch. But I feel like now that they're like they know that they're going to lose, even though they're you know top for first place in the West, um, they're just they're literally just not interesting to watch. Um, the Phoenix Suns, God, I've seen a couple of Phoenix Suns games. <sighs> DeAndre Ayton. I'm not gonna have this. All right, all right, you know what? I'm not gonna have this DeAndre Ayton conversation. Devin Booker's been elite. He's been he's playing like the best shooting guard in basketball right now, and it really does not feel close. Um, I will say this um, also about Chris Paul. Chris Paul looks like Chris Paul out there. I'm not going to harp on that. The Phoenix Suns, though, can we get some consistency? Is is consistency too hard to ask for in an organization? Genuinely, is that too difficult to ask for? Because, yes, you beat the L.A. Clippers, which I do love. Certain players on your team, again, won't mention names, wink, wink, are consistently inconsistent, and it's bugging the hell out of me. Certain players will get you 26 one night, then will give you 13 on another night, give you 18 on another night, will give you 21 on another night, will give you 5 on one night. I'm not going to name names. But if you know, you know, and if you don't, I'm sorry. Book looks good. Aiton looks like DeAndre Aiton has looked for the last four years. And that frightens me because he's now on a max contract as opposed to making, what, maybe $10 million a year. And on the rookie deal, he's making 30, 40, almost $40 million. That's what's scaring me about DeAndre Aiton is that this 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 kind of performance on the, on the max contract that you allegedly wanted, I understand you didn't want it in Phoenix. You wanted it in Indiana because you signed there. Well, spoiler alert, you don't always get what you want. Just give your all. And if you don't, if, you know, if the Phoenix Suns do grant your wishes and you go to Indiana, then maybe you can become an all-star in the East. Don't, I don't, I don't see it happening, but... It's a possibility. Next, OKC Thunder again have been. <laughs> we're almost there, y'all. I promise. Realistically, we're only gonna give like two, maybe three legitimate reviews because I don't think I've. To mine, I've watched one Portland Trailblazers game. I have watched one Wizards game, and I will give my shoutouts for both uh, players on those teams. Um, I've watched probably one Warriors game, maybe two Warriors games. Um, in this so far, that I think actually. Yeah, I've watched, yeah, two, because the, the Nuggets game, the like game. So, yeah, I've watched two Warriors games, and I've probably watched one and a half Timberwolves games. So, yeah, we got maybe two or three legitimate reviews left, and then we're, we're going to phone. Um, um, Minnesota, God, or sorry, OKC. Um, this team is ready for the tank. <laughs> that's all, that's all I really got to say. This team, OKC team, is very much ready to tank. Minnesota. Glad that this big man lineup is working. I know I said in the last episode, I'm like, is Carl Anthony Towns even playing? Yes, Carl Anthony Towns is very much playing. It's very much looking like the best big, uh, best center in probably so far this season. 
granted, Joe Willoughby had the 40 and Nikola Jokic beat the NBA champions. But Carl Anthony Towns has probably been my favorite big to watch so far this season. Because him and Rudy Gobert legit look like a cheat code out there. Because Rudy Gobert on the off- or sorry, defensive end, Cat on the offensive end. Anthony Edwards has probably been the definition of inconsistent. He had a couple 30-point games with a couple fuck disgusting bad games against Minnesota. Or sorry, in uh <laughs> against Minnesota. Honestly, it looked like he was playing against his own team. Like it, it legit looked like he was he was trying for Minnesota to lose because those games have been god awful. But he's had two elite level basketball uh elite level games so far this season, which for Eddie Edwards sake, not bad. For my fantasy sake, not good. Um D'Angelo Russell, he's beating the trade allegations with flying colors. Y'all have been calling for this man to be moved for every guy in the book. I remember Ben Simmons trade. <laughs> y'all going to expose me. I already know. But, yeah, I was looking at uh, Ben Simmons. Um, ben Simmons for D'Angelo Russell plus others trades the other day in my episodes. I believe it was like, it. God, look, looking at it, it's terrible now. But the, I think it was D'Lo, Jaden McDaniels, and two first-round picks, if, my, if, my, if I'm not mistaken. Because I was like... I think Minnesota would probably choose Jared Vanderbilt over Jade McDaniels. So, you know, those Jay, Jay Mack and those two picks don't really matter. If you're getting an all-star point guard in Ben Simmons, yeah, that trade would never go down these days. <laughs> I'm be honest with you. But how the that's the difference a year makes, basically. Because we did those episodes in what, September of last year. So basically, a year since uh the, the, uh that podcast dropped. Ben Simmons is playing himself out of trade, any trade value, and the Timberwolves look like one of the quietly one of the better teams in the, in the West right now, and that's uh, almost a testament to coaching. Which shout out to Chris Finch for validating my coach of the year uh, predictions this year. Um, even with uh, the bench, J Mac, um, shout out to uh, Jordan McLaughlin. Um, even Jalen Noel and Nas Reed. Nas Reed again. He's saying, "Yeah, man, I'm a big too. I'm only six foot eight, but you can consider me a center too." He's playing like he's a legitimate bona fide center out there. He's banging with dudes that's seven feet tall, and I'm like, "Yeah, that's Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert's job." But y'all mess around and like Rudy Gobert has uh, is resting an injury, so or injury injury layoff or whatever. Boom, you got Nas Reed that can step in at the center spot like that. So even a guy I, I like personally in Nathan Knight. I think he can potentially step in as an emergency big man in short minutes. I'm not going to say he's a starter, but he can step in in short minutes. He can give you versatile defense, can shoot the basketball. I think he's more fit to play the four, but if you want to run him at the five, shoot, you run, ran Nas Reed at the five. I don't see why Nathan Wright, why, uh, Nathan Knight couldn't work either. Um, this Timberwolves team looks fun, bro. And again, this is with a bad, too bad Anthony uh, Edwards performance. I almost said Anthony Davis. Too bad Anthony Edwards performance. Uh, pretty underwhelming Jaden uh, McDaniel's performances also, considering, you know, the hype around his development so far in the offseason. Um, pretty underwhelming. D'Angelo Russell, I think, again, has been the perfect point guard for this team. And they're going to kick it in in the regular season for sure. Playoffs is going to be another stretch, but for sure in the, in, the off, in the regular season, as we get to game 30, game 40, game 50, 60, 70, and 80, they're absolutely going to be one of the better teams in the West. Portland. <clears throat> Nice to see the Portland Trailblazers being good again. Like I feel like I haven't said that in a while. Um, Damian Lillard, healthy, I, I assume. Yes, with that that forty piece he gave the Lakers, and then the thirty piece he gave last night. 
that Portland that Portland Lakers game was a drag to watch. I'm gonna be honest with you. Both teams did not look good, but Damian Lillard looked amazing. Um, Anthony Simons last night, third quarter looked like third quarter Clay Thompson out there. Like he was writing three after three after three after three after three after three. And God, I, I don't think he missed in that quarter. I think he went nine for nine, six for six from three. Like he or sorry, eight for eight, six for six from three. And like legit was shooting like one of the best guards in the league. And again, I understand Blazers fans is coming to me saying that this is the best backcourt in the league. I will not go that far, probably not top five, but they still look elite out there. I won't take them over the Warriors backcourt. I probably won't take them over Memphis at this point, but they still look like a team that could potentially uh, compete for a playoff spot. Granted, Yusuf Nurkic, the inconsistencies are there. And Jeremy Grant disappeared a little bit yesterday, but I understand because again, why not? You know, let you let your high hands stay hot. So appreciate them for that, and appreciate the Chauncey Billups not being being a Chauncey Billups being a bad coach has officially uh that argument has officially died because you saw the talent that he was working with last year, and the talent on his team isn't much better. Like they got Jeremy Grant, they got a full year of Josh Hart and a healthy Dame, but like overall, this team is not. Still not good by any means, but this team, they're playing hard. They're playing good. They're giving you 115% effort every single time down the floor. That's all you really ask, and that's a testament to Chauncey Billups. Next, Golden State Warriors. They're playing like the Warriors. Like, it's coming up. Like, even in the Nuggets game that they lost, you know, there was still a a fighting chance to win that game. Uh, I think... I wouldn't say a bad Clay Thompson play because I understand the situation, but a ill-advised, I guess is the word I'd probably use, ill-advised play from Clay Thompson where he shot the three early and like basically because he thought he was going to get fouled, he he just threw up the three, missed it. I believe threw up another three and missed it, and uh, basically Nuggets hit two free throws to win, or basically to close the game out. But um, overall, like the Warriors have been. Like I said, they're, they play, they're the NBA champions. They're going to play good. Like, I'm not expecting anything different out of them. I'm not expecting this team to be god-awful with basically the same rotation, but replace GP2 with um, Dante DiVincenzo. But overall, I'm liking uh, the new additions. Jermichael Green looks nice. Patrick Baldwin even had some stretches where he looked really good. Um, Jordan Poole has been... Uh, I would say a bright spot to this team. I'm sorry. I promise you. I'm trying to get through this as much as possible, but without with being efficient also. Trying to be like John Moran out here. Trying to put up a lot of numbers with good efficiency. Next, for the Washington Wizards, um, (laughs) for a two-in-one team, this team is god-awful. I'm sorry. This this team has nothing going for it. And it's so sad because... Guess what? They're going to go 3-1 and because they play the Pistons tonight. Um, this has been a... I've I've been pretty critical of the, the roster construction. I'm like, is Monte Morris really a starting point guard on a competent NBA squad that doesn't have the MVP? He's definitely been really good. Um, Bradley Beal has been a surprise efficiency-wise. I was not expecting Bradley Beal to ever shoot at uh, above 50% in his career. This man so far this season is shooting 60% from the field. 61, I believe, to be exact, 61%. Kyle Kuzma has been a revelation so far. 
Um, last game, didn't really get a whole lot of shots up before that. 26 against Chicago and 22 against Indiana, both in wins. Kyle Guzman has definitely been uh, probably my favorite bright spot from the Washington Wizards so far. I think, you know, it's only going to be get up, up, up from here for, uh, for Kuzma. As um, basically nobody else on this team really is taking a, a huge step, to be honest. Uh, Denny of Dia, to me, has been a... I wouldn't say a disappointment as much as a uh, as as much as a I would say a it's just something that um okay being honest I expected Danny of Dia to take like what everybody thought Jaden McDaniel's uh, step was going to be I thought De- De- uh, Danny of Dia would take that step and so far this season he hasn't now granted playing time just hasn't been there Fallon. Just pure rotations, et cetera, et cetera. That might have a lot to do with it. But overall, he's played sort of like a PJ Tucker esque role as opposed to maybe I thought he would be a lot bigger of a role than that. Which, if he's just a PJ Tucker, by all means, you know, sure, whatever, be a defensive guy that maybe can shoot a corner three every now and then. Um, but overall, like it's it's not been it's not been a fun experience on the Denny Adia train. Granted, he's doing everything else well, at least in the Chicago game where he actually got minutes. Where um, as opposed to maybe Cleveland, he just wasn't. He, Cleveland, he basically did nothing. Uh, it's unfortunate because again, like somebody that I was very high on last season, going into last season, which he was good last season, and. Even going into this this season, I thought he'd be even better. I told you this year he'd be a most approved candidate. He's proven me wrong uh, so far. In fact, actually, also all of my uh, most improved candidates have been uh, wrong this year. Even though Killian Hayes, I don't think has even been bad. I just think it's like a he's on a losing team. B he's coming off the bench. So how much is he really going to do? But uh, just in eye test, I think he's been much better than he has he was in his first two seasons, especially at the beginning of last season. So, W on that. Um, but, yeah, that's my review of all 30 NBA teams. God, if you made it this far into an episode, I swear you're a real one. I really genuinely believe that you are the realest person alive. Leave a comment um, under or leave a, uh, a reply to the tweet of the podcast. Leave a reply to the IG uh, post of the podcast. Leave a review on the podcast, one through five stars. You can leave a... Uh, even a reply or a question in the question bin of this episode if you're listening to it on Anchor. God, um, God, there's so many plugs I can make. Um, YouTube, God, um, I feel like I've been getting this question a lot. Um, YouTube has been put on the, I wouldn't say put on the back burner. I'm still pushing, I'm, I'm making content as we speak. Um, I'm, a, I'm in the position of mass uploading starting Halloween. That might be a, a little bit too uh, early. But overall, like starting Monday, next Monday, uh, I feel like will be the first actual upload of videos onto the uh, onto the YouTube channel. And, you know, like I said, we get started from there because, like I said, we got plenty of stuff we can record. Like there's I don't have a, a shortage of stuff that I want to talk about. Obviously, with the season start uh, so far, you know, maybe want to push out some more YouTube videos so we could do these daily instead of two uh, days a week on the podcast. But. You know, obviously we can, like I said, just getting different stuff. Um, because I just moved around my office. Um, the desk is back way further than it used to be. Like in the video, it looks normal, but you know, two weeks ago it probably wouldn't have looked that way. Um, 
even with like the just trying to get some new stuff with the setting, even from my vantage point looking at it, it looks pretty bare as opposed to the back where like you have the green screen, you got this big bright sign, you got the NBA poster back here, you got my pictures just sitting on the floor, even though you can't see them in frame, you can see the pictures every now and then. Um, but yeah, uh, you don't get to see nearly as uh, much on the uh in the the front basically all i have in front of me is a basketball which i take to the gym with me usually and a vacuum because i just cleaned the office like yesterday so there's this basically in in the uh in the box where my pc came out of my new pc um so basically just the uh brand new setup for the podcast um i'm gonna be working with that for the next couple of days and then when we come back friday Hopefully, my visual point will be a lot better than uh, than it is currently. But, you know, just trying to give you guys a, a extra look into of what the future of the podcast holds. Um, future of me making content in general. I'm trying to push out as much content as possible because, God, we, we are – this is a more success than I ever uh, wished to have on this podcast. And I'm really sorry for keeping y'all this long because, God, we are – over an hour and a half. I have three 30-minute recordings of this podcast, which is an hour and a half plus ads, plus um, the intro, outro, and whatever this piece is that I'm currently recording right now. So yeah, um, if you missed the previous 159 episodes of the Zay Come Podcast, you can check them out on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, and of course right here on our sponsor for the day, Anchor. Until next time, I love you. You love me. Let's let's love each other. Keep y'all in y'all prayers. Goodbye.